guys, welcome back to the Harbor Site. This is a very special episode, episode 005, with none other than Miss Kaffer herself. Bum, bum, bum. Welcome to the podcast, babe. Thanks. How do you feel about sitting on this side of the table? Um, I feel like it could pr- create a lot of opportunity for me that <laughs> you're not prepared for. I'm probably going to get a lot of phone calls. People are going to want to do work with me. So do work with you? Yeah. What does that mean? We, I don't. I don't, I don't we'll <laughs> just have to see. I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> see if I get lots of brand so deals. You went on my social media and posted. Or I don't know. We don't have an agenda for this, do we? Well, you have an agenda. I. Do. I don't have the agenda. Get more work brand deals for myself <laughs> no this is um i actually <clears throat> did pull all the questions here oh good yeah so we'll have that so but this is what i want to talk about you kind of screwed everybody over me yeah it oh because of the question yeah it wasn't really fair well if people really know us then they got well, of course but they don't know so here here's what she did she goes, times for, you know, plus a bunch of questions. We did an Instagram post for people who are completely not following. Yeah. We did an Instagram post to kind of get some questions and get people buzzing about this upcoming podcast. So she said, time for two truths and a lie. Which is a fun game. This is, you know, one of my favorites. It's from Catch Me If You Can. That game show was on Catch Me If You Can, and that made me think of it. Okay. So guess which one of us... Gets, guess which one of the following statements isn't true. All right, three statements. You're supposed to guess which one of the following statements isn't true. Number one, one of us did time in prison. Number two, we have a white picket fence. Number three, one of us ran a knockoff handbag operation out of a massive warehouse. Now, this is where it's kind of like... Edgy you kind, sketchy? You kind of... Like you were shady about this. This is this wasn't clear cut. I mean, it was intended to make people kind of ponder a little bit <laughs> to create a sense of interest. All right. So one of us did time in prison. No. But Well the the deal is is that if you know Nick's backstory, you know that it technically right. and wasn't some people said, the penitentiary. Right, it, it wasn't prison. I mean, it was juvie. It was juvie, and and so if people know you, they know that they didn't take seventeen year old Nick to the penitentiary. Right. Right. Well, it was more like I think it was like twelve year old <laughs> Nick. Anyways, so I don't know if that is true or not, but yes, I did. You know, did a little bit of time in, in was incarcerated. I know, if you will. So, like exactly. So, but most people said two was the lie. The white picket fence. The white picket fence, which literally in our backyard is a white picket fence. <laughs> Everyone said two. We have a white picket fence, guys. It's not a white. It's not a white picket. It's a shadow box fence. But I we had it. We painted, painted it, it white. We painted it white. And we have two it's golden nice. retrievers. So. Any ideas that you thought you knew about us? I guess. We are totally the old white couple. And then some people <laughs> said, you know, that the the knockoff handbag operation was uh, was a lie. Not as many. Most people went and said, there's no way they have a white picket fence. And I was laughing because, like, literally the backyard is a white picket. But ran a knack, knockoff. It, I did not run a knockoff handbag operation. Me personally. No. 
Did you? I did. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about this. Well, it all started with a guy that my ex-husband and I were kids. We were like 17 years old. And we Does were... Everybody, is this public knowledge or are you about um, to... I think a lot of you people... Be legally, is, can you be legally... No, there's no traces of me anywhere. And they no, the guy, I don't think he's doing it anymore. So oh, it's like okay. whatever. We were, we were teenagers. He kind of... This guy was kind of shady and took my ex-husband under his wing and thought he could like help him be a cool guy. But I think really he knew that my ex-husband was also like you had been in juvie and then out of juvie and kind of thought he would be an easy target to get somebody to hustle for him. Super comfortable doing slightly illegal operations. And he would have him, he would have him cash all the checks and do all the stuff probably that super smart for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll get these kids involved. Because if anybody's getting busted, it's you guys. We signed for all the checks, all the shipments, all this. So he was like just using us totally, but the money was insane. And so we couldn't handle not making that kind of money. We would go and do purse parties. That's what they call them. And like, Mm -hmm. this is when we lived in, in Denver. So it was like all the white lady salons, whatever, were like hopping and they would have these purse parties and they would put it together. We just showed up with the bags, right? Mm -hmm. So there'd be like 30, 40 women at somebody's house. We would put bags in every corner of the house, like as much inventory as we could fit. And we make 17, 18 grand in a day. Couple of kids, <laughs> and then like we had to give the money, some of the money that got that guy, but we were like it's a cash business. Yeah, like, man, it yeah. was a cash business. It was so, but the deal was is we had a contact in China that worked through New York, mm-hmm. and then that was the other thing. He was like he kept that contact to himself, but well, over time we got it. Oh, okay. Because he would leave for the Philippines. He had a girlfriend in the Philippines, and they'd go off the Philippines for months at a time. And so then we would just be running it for months at a time. And so we had we kind of started to get the operation a little bit smoother where we knew the contacts. We had, like, the shipping people mm-hmm. in our pockets. Like, we, we literally got their phone numbers. So, like, UPS drivers and FedEx drivers knew if we had a couple grand worth of purses coming in they would yeah. call us we'd tip them a couple hundred bucks and they would meet us anywhere we wanted and give us the, bur- the bags so you had a little you had a little warehouse in denver little warehouse us. we're running and the reason why we did it that way is because we became the like in between from like the china people the yeah. china sorry that's not china people the the china connection and the new york connection right yeah we became the go-between, so all the local like tanning salons, nail salons, hair salons would come and buy from us and then turn around and flip it for even more. Yeah. So we had a markup. They had a markup. You know, the whole deal. But I sold Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, um, Tiffany's necklaces and jewelry, fake Rolexes that were perpetual sweeps. So, like, they even, like, kept going, just like the real ones. People yeah. really couldn't tell the difference. I made a lot of money as a young person. And then blew it all. <laughs> Up my nose. <laughs> yeah, no, that's horrible, babe. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Anyway, that was a well. I was nineteen. All right. Well. But it made me a hustler, right? It made me figure out the game. That's a game. I went away to college, and I and I would just roll around with like trucks and like my truck, and just pull up and open up my bed of and, like to. Just be like, here's a bunch of handbags to salons, and they'd be like, yes. Well, there you go. So there's the, there's the, uh, three, three, three truths. Yeah. So the the lie is that Nick was in penitentiary. It was just juvie. I guess that's. 
I was going to put one of us has been arrested, but both of us have technically been arrested. So I couldn't, I couldn't told. So I was like, I'll say jail and then we'll make it a little, we'll make it a little trick question. Shady, babe. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you got for us? Okay. So what we have going on here mm -hmm. is a bunch of questions that people have. Some of them are for us. A lot of them are just kind of more general. Let's just start with us. Okay. So with us, people asked, how did you meet? Oh, uh, this is supposed to be a drunk history episode. Well, we still haven't done it. So what do we do now? I mean, we could do it separately. Okay. Do you? So we just say we met on Instagram. I mean, we met on Instagram. We met on Instagram when we both had like zero followers. I had a few. You had a few. I had a few. Yeah. And the old, the old, I think it was the STS account. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was the Capdoll account. <laughs> Her hooker account. <laughs> Her OnlyFans account. <laughs> yeah, right. You will never find me on OnlyFans. Just FYI, that is 100% false. <laughs> you wouldn't have thought it back then. No, man. I sold knockoffs. She was she was definitely getting my attention. Um, yeah, and then she... Uh, yeah, I don't even know how to say this. <laughs> you laid a trap, man. Womp, womp, womp. False. It was bit. not a trap. It was just me being very like smart. Oh, that's what you call it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just like a spider lays its web. Are you really telling this story? Yeah. Oh, I can't. This is the way that you're telling it? Yeah. I'm going to tell it. So like a Your spider. Way. A spider. I'm on this side of the okay. table. A spider like does its web, and then that fly just flies right into it. So it's like it's like a little like honey trap. Mm -hmm. You get a little honey, uh -huh. and you're like boop, and you're like boom, right into the web. Oh, and the spider's yeah. like, "Gotcha, motherfucker!" And then I'm up there just spinning the shit out of you, and then I eat you. Is that what's happening? Pretty much what happened. So you're done um, now, huh? So I am done. <laughs> I am hundred percent done now. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Thank God. Um, but that's basically that's basically how that happened. False. So what really happened was. Nick was playing little dilly dallying around, like checking me out online. So we had mutual friends. First of all, I didn't know who you were until you popped up. So popped up. Yeah. Like there was no algorithm chasing you. How did I pop up? I popped up because your friend told you that I was like, hey. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I seen her pictures. Okay. So, <laughs> I seen I seen that girl's I've pictures. Seen that girl's, I've seen that girl's butt. <laughs> No, so we had a mutual friend um, on the gram. Mm -hmm. I was doing a little bit of work for him, uh, like photography stuff. And he went, went on a trip with you. Yep. And you guys were out. And I said, oh, that guy's like good looking dude. I said, is he single? And he goes, yep. And I was like, okay. And so he said something to you yeah. about me. I did not... Follow you, chase you, like you, nothing. He mentioned that I had, like, asked about you. Yeah, right. In the real world, not on the gram. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you sent me a follow. Okay. Like me, First friend all, me, liked my request, my on. Facebook, tweeted all over my MySpace Facebook. So, <laughs> while that sounds all really believable. It was 100% what happened. Okay. Agree, agree to you, disagree. I screenshot when you sent me a friend request. I'm sure. I'm sure you did that. But my point being is 
that you laid a trap for these things to happen. And you even made a post the first time that I DM'd you. And you then, after I DM'd you, you deleted the post. Because you made a big deal about and it. And you were like, and you were, no, I'm going to call Aaron right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your whole story here in a second if, if I get her on the phone. So you we said, been, you said he, I had, this guy is not talking to me. So, okay. And you're the, like, I'm going to make him talk. You, uh, 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 uh. I wasn't going to send you a message or anything else. Right. So you, which is a good thing, which is the, fine. Like I'm yeah, not going to chase guy, you. You a had a, probably should, a million chicks hitting you up. I was like, whatever. But you started liking, you started following me and then you started liking my stuff and you were liking my stuff every day and you would always comment like, oh boy, or whatever. You were always like saying silly things. So we we were (laughs) were doing the liking each other's thing back and forth. And I'm like, this dude won't send me a message. No, man. I didn't want none. I didn't want no drama in my life. I was like, that sucks. And then I told my friend and my best friend and I was like, he won't send me a message. I said, you know what? I'll see. I'm going to post something. I'm going to see if he'll send me a message if I post this. Babe, babe, you just proved my story (laughs) right. That's laying a trap. You laid a trap. You laid a trap and I fell right into it. You fell right into it. So then I posted something of myself that was rather intriguing for you. And you instantly messaged me. I did. I did. Within 30 minutes. It was, it was quick. And then, so then she deleted the post. Well, and then you here we are. Told me I shouldn't leave. Now it we out. have a redheaded baby. <laughs> a little ginger snap. Yeah. No, well, that went on back and forth. We started talking, and then we became friends, and then we started working together, and we kind of just be we're working together and friends for about a year, long distance. Yeah. And it really wasn't nothing serious. We were just. No, I told you. You said don't don't get too attached. Yeah. I no, like, I said don't fall in love with me. <laughs> don't fall in love with me. Don't get too attached. I'm Didn't like, I say that? You're ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Mister. I'm gonna call you every single day and talk for two hours. Yeah, but don't get too attached. But don't get too attached. I have a lot of other stuff going on. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so that's how we met. Yeah, she, she laid a trap and I fell right into it. We were both in the middle of divorces that were pretty, you know, with kids involved. And we were just, so we just took it really freaking slow. Got yeah. to know each other really slow. I don't think we made it official until almost a year and a half of kind of working, talking, being friends. Almost two years, maybe. We were really kind of just dragging it out and being buds. I was dragging it slower than you were. I mean, it wasn't so much about, because we had both just been in long marriages, it wasn't really about, like, I don't know. It's typically not a good idea to go from, like, one serious right. relationship to the next. If I would have planned it, I would not have planned you to enter my life when you did. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was super shitty. <laughs> well, we had fun. We did. We had a lot of fun. We did. We had a lot, a lot of fun. But honestly, what it, be, it became really more than anything, I couldn't. I can only say that at that time, for like those first two years, maybe year and a half, yeah, we really were like working together. We created and yeah. work and businesses yeah, of together, yeah, and of course. nothing really was ever. We never said serious things. We never said love. We never. Even when I, I moved here, I had my own place. Yeah. We did our thing. I was like, you just stay over there. <laughs> right. Just, just come over when I need you. <laughs> just, I need you to come cook me some dinner. Hey, man. 
Yeah, right, man. A man's got to eat. No, you did. You At that point, you were. Well, a lot of it had to do with, you know, my girls and, you know, trying to just, I've, you know, I was screwed up too, but. Yeah, you were really coming to, out of your military transition around Yeah, I was just trying to, trying to do the right thing, sort of, by not, and also not doing the right thing at the same time. I think the doing the right thing in our mind for the best of we could do at that time was take it slow. Yeah. And I was going really slow. Really slow. To the point that she was like, okay. No, I said, mm, okay, because you were like talking to a million fucking girls at once. So I was like, That was early on. I was like, okay. That was early on. <laughs> and you were, you were like. Figure it out. You need to figure it out. Yeah. And I did need to figure it out. Yeah. And we did. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Well, let me say this. Right. I just want to say this before anything else. I just want everybody to know the truth. What's the truth? <laughs> you laid a trap and I no, fell into it. That and I'm still here. I'm saying this because yeah. I don't know what this podcast will bring and what might be said. So I just want to really, really preface everything oh, okay. pre-podcast with this. Okay. I adore you. Oh. You are my most favorite person on the planet. I think you're amazing. Some shit is about to get said in this podcast. <laughs> Let me tell you guys right now. If she's pressing, if she's prefacing it with that coming out front, I just want to let you know I really love you and adore you. I think you're a great husband and father. Now. Now, if you have anything that you... I'll say. Okay. All right. So then that that's how we met was the Instagram. Um, secondary thing. And this is... This is one of my favorite questions that somebody asked. It's not specific to us. Okay. Okay. If the American people decided to overthrow the government, would you support it? This isn't, this is not, a, I guess it is a relationship question. Okay. No, it's, I mean, it's not. Mutiny eats chips. Ask that. Oh, I know who that is. American people decided to overthrow the government. Would you support it? Now, here we go. Okay. So, first of all, I'd like to say that. You love me and adore me. I love you and adore you. <laughs> um, and appreciate you who, who you are as a human being. That This is the problem with everyone that says, like, we should just take back our government, you know, which, you know, there's a lot of point. You know, if, if this was the government during the revolution, this is the reason why that, I mean, it, they, they rebelled for less, for less reasons than what's going on right now. Here's the thing that a problem I have with it is... I don't think that the majority, the large majority, understands what that means. Right. And the death and destruction that it's going to... Like, you think that all the old men sitting in their house are going to be the ones fighting this? No, man. It's going to be young people. And so... And everybody is so upset about the young people that die overseas. You know, they say for... You know, whether it's for the right reasons, for the wrong reason, doesn't matter. Everybody has an opinion on that. And I have my own. But... That's over there. Now imagine walking like the you know blood running down your streets, you know, from from fights with the government or the police here local, like in your own town. Yeah, it wouldn't be like at the Capitol. No, it, it would be and that's the thing, is like it's gonna be the death and destruction of what that looks like is terrifying. So um you know, initially, you know, probably not. Why? Because I have I have 3.1 kids um, potentially and, and and a wife to care for and a family to care for and, and um, you know initially it's going to have to be I'm going to have to protect mine and my you know, you know mine and my own 
And that's my number one priority. My number one priority is my family. Like if shit goes sideways that way, like I get the call to arms, but you forget, like I've done that. I've done that. I've, I literally did that. I served from 2000, 2012. Like I understand, I understand that, that call and I understand the, and I understand if that would ever in the future would ever happen. I don't think that we're there yet. Personally, I think it's going to get, it would have to get a lot worse for people to really be able to like, okay, the cost of what we're about to do or about what they are considering. Cause you hear the comments. I see the comments on the videos and, and to me, they're just uneducated, stupid comments, but I, I, I see it, but I think that for that to happen, I mean, you're going to have to be, it's going to have to be like Australia, what's happening in some places in Australia times some more. Well, and for American people, like you've said it a hundred million times, for American people to stomach what you've seen. They don't have it. Third world countries have experienced it and that they're desensitized to a lot of it. It's a whole different animal. It's yeah, a whole different animal. I mean, people like go talk to the you know people that have fled Cuba and you know Venezuela and you know you know the, the Eastern Bloc of you know the communism and I mean it's just not pretty, man. It's a, it's a sad situation. And what happens is it's just it's kids that die. It's a bunch of kids. What what makes me really really there's got to be a, there's got to be a, what I'm my point to all this is sorry to cut you off. My point to all of this is there is a better way. Yeah, there is a better way to handle this thing. Yeah, and grant and granted, you know, we're in a really like it's there is nothing short. This is all tyrannical the government. Like this, can't even argue with it at this point. Like they've turned the federal government is a tyrannical socialist government that that has happened. Like this is what we have, and um, the Democratic Socialist Party. Yeah, and I'm not even that side or the right side. You know, I'm just I think that. You know, freedom reigns. I think that that's mm-hmm. that's the number one thing. But the, but my point being is, I I think that it's gonna have to get a lot worse before that ever happens. And I don't think that we're gonna get there because I think that there's some people that are gonna start stepping in, coming in 2022, and then coming in 2020. I mean, even I mean, you have the whole nation kind of revolting against our own president. Let's and, go, Brandon. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. So, you know, I think that they played their hand too hard. They push too hard. I think in coming in 2022, you're going to see a shift. And in 2024, you're definitely going to see a shift. I think they did the opposite of what they wanted to do be based off of how hard they pushed. So I know it's a long form like answer. Yes. On, on I th- that, my but. only concern is like I that I think I'm a little bit afraid of. Okay. The thing that I'm the most afraid of, I'll say, is the ability to polarize the nation. Yeah. And create and just a matter of well, 12 the, months no, that's a, the game. right yeah. a polarization of yeah. entire communities yeah. to where you're walking down the street and eye rolling each other because of the color of your shirt or yeah. your mask or yeah. whatever and that scares me because in all those situations throughout history when this has happened that's what they do first they yeah, polarize they separate they yeah. divide and then what happens you have a group of people working alongside the government to take down the revolution. So like, I I thought it was kind of great the way that it was depicted, even though it's not exactly historical, it's got its own twist was the man in the high castle. You know, what happens if the Reich would have actually taken and become established. Right. 
And what we the whole film was is you're watching these Americans switch sides. The American, it's like what if America was yeah. completely like Nazis, right? Right. So you're watching them turn from America into Nazis, mm-hmm. and how how quick they turned on each other. Yeah. And it's like their that, own friends, it's like that, yeah. right? And so where you're you're turning in your best friends for having their kid. Go because to the doctor you, because or, you because they've offered you a job in their new administration and your family is going to be fed and protected and but oh, you can't but you can't yeah. be friends with this other person and if you would have asked me four or five years ago if I ever would have thought that could ever happen in our country I'd have been like hell no that would never happen here and here we are and here we are yeah with people turning people in for having their mask fall below their nose yeah like. Are you fucking kidding me? No, they're not kidding you. They're very serious about this. Like sending people's kids home for an entire week because someone in the classroom like may have been around somebody with symptoms and then you're telling people's kids or parents are telling on each other's kid. It's like. It's all by design. So that is what does scare me about it because it's like for us to overthrow the government means you will be taking and like dividing your neighbors and fighting. Yeah. Your neighbor, people yeah. in your neighborhood, the people that come into your business and act like an asshole, mm-hmm. you're going to be having to kill them to overthrow the, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and that's putting it like really, um, like it's putting it really open right there. And that's, I think that's what people don't realize It's like, they think that it's going to be a, it's going to be like a fight between, you know, some faceless entity. And it's not, man, it's, 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 a, it's essentially like a civil war. It's like you're, you're fighting in your own Americans. And that's the worst freaking thing in the world. No, After everything we, that war. this country has been through, that's horrible. So that's it. So yeah. that's our, so that's our take on it. I believe that if somebody wanted to overthrow the government, I'm not sure that that would go the way that that you think it would go. And we don't want to be a part of it. We want to There's a better way. bring people together. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I mean, he's kind of doing it, you know. Yeah. Next question. Next question. All right, this is kind of a cool one. Okay. Drop it on me. How do you balance being a father, being parents to a young son and owning so many businesses. So this is a great question. I think that um, how do you how do you balance, you know, your kids, your being a husband, you know, having businesses. This is a question that I get quite a bit. And honestly, I struggled with it for a very long time, didn't I? I think it wasn't so much that you struggled with like no, I did. I struggled with it. I mean, not that you didn't know what was important, but you struggled with finding the balance no, no, of creating. Yeah, that's my point. Struggle finding the balance. Here's this. You ready for the secret? You ready for the secret? There is no fucking balance. <laughs> <laughs> There's no balance. What it is is it comes down to uh, priorities. Um, and something that we work with our coaching our, our coaching clients with the Agogi is identifying what those priorities are. And when you start, when you pick your top five priorities, your four priorities in life, um, things start becoming really clear where you spend your time. And if you're allocating time and resources to things that are not your priorities, time suck. Yeah, there is a right, exactly. There are time suck, and um, you'll be amazed at how many people are spending time on things that then they really when they really analyze it, 
is not a top priority in their life. Right. Whether it be like making more money, their family, their family relationships, relationships with their kids, you know, their health. Because um, typically you'll say, you know, the, the, the four F's, right? My faith, my finances, my family. Um, what's the other one? Um, faith, family, finances. Fitness. Um, those Utility, are typically, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are typically people's top priorities in life. Right. right? Well, it, and then what happens is, hopefully. yeah, and what happens is they're not, they're not spending, they're not allocating the resources that they should to those, to those priorities. Can you for a minute, just because I think it's important that people kind of understand, explain, because people say that, okay, well, how do you do it with your young son? Well, let's talk about like before you had a son and how you did it with you know, a divorced family and kids. And like, it's, I think there's so many men out there who are like, it. Get, they get stuck in this cycle of just, okay, like I, the most important thing is for me to provide. And yes, it is so important for you to provide, but when they get that on their mind and they're just in a like hamster wheel trying to provide for their family, well, that's, and you, then you get divorced or whatever. And suddenly like providing, providing, monetarily is only one part of being a father. Like, I mean, you have to provide a lot more than just monetarily. I mean, it's, so it's, a, it's a heavy, it's think, a heavy load. And I think sometimes because men get stuck in that, like that, that almost like a hamster wheel. Cause they, they're so concerned with it. Mm-hmm. A lot of men, I think because maybe they didn't have anything as a kid or they were, you know, less off. So they don't want their kids to experience like that. Yeah. So then they get into a, a marriage and a relationship and they're just really trying to make sure everything is okay. There's lights on, there's food, right? Yeah, what and, are you complaining about? Right. And then it's like, okay, well, the, your mom's there, so she will make sure you feel okay. So go check with your mom. She's here. Well, what happens when you get divorced? Right. And then it's like your time with your dad is your time. Well, with your, explain how you did that. Cause well, not, I thought it was awesome. I, I don't think that it's, I don't think that, it, you know, you have to back up before even divorce. Like you're talking about, go talk with your mom. Like the, the kids need their fathers. I mean, I mean, this has been the war on America right here is that the fact that they're trying to pull fathers out of them. And we have proof that they're trying to pull, d- diversify and pull fathers out of the home and get them to where you destabilize a, a country or, or destabilize the family or because by doing so you destabilize the country um, or making the father uh, this villain, making the picture perfect masculine male. Who's, Crush patriarchy. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to make him look like a bad guy. Make me the type of person that I am, make me look like a bad guy. This is all by design, right? Because as soon as you discredit the father's, uh, responsibility or their role in the family or, you know, their credibility, um, their respect, well, then you've, you've done it. You've, they've done it and they have done it into with a majority of families. I mean, hell, the New York times is even right about it. And that's one of the most liberal publications oh God, ever. And they're, and they're admit and they're admitting it. Right. I want to, I would like to read that article. I feel like it's so important. But so, um, so yeah. So with, so with my girls through the divorce, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, but th- this was even before the divorce. I always made, as a father, I always made, you know, my priority was was investing in them and, and our time together. Because you were and, deployed so much. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gone a lot. So when you come, and I made a video, we made a video about it up for YouTube way back about how to spe- how to parent while in special operations or in the military. And you you have to make it count. You have to make every second count. So if you're there for, you know, a thousand seconds, then you need to be there for a thousand seconds. 
And so many people just want to, they're like, oh man, I'm exhausted. I get home. I want to cut out and just put my feet up and drink and, you know, or whatever, you know, just relax. I mean, I get it, you know, um, turn their brain off so they can just, you know, veg out and re and recover. But as us as fathers, if we want to really make an impact on, on society, we want to make an impact on our children's lives. You can't do that. It's called effort. You have to put forth the effort and Again, this goes back to those priorities. Like, there is no such thing as balance. There is no balance. This is all your life. If you're an entrepreneur, if you have your own business, if you're doing something, if you even work at a company, it's part of your life. I mean, you're spending eight eight plus hours a day at this job. That is part of your life. It's not just something that's in there. It's what you do. It's it's a large portion of your life. So you have to look at where are my priorities. It goes back to the priorities. If your family is one of your priorities, is being a good dad, of being a good father, being a good husband is one of your priorities, then why are you not investing the time in it? So like that's something that, you know, early on that I was that I personally struggled with because I was like, I gotta find we were building businesses. You know, I was working so much. I mean, there was times that I was sleeping underneath my desk, you know, and then basically getting back to work when I woke up. Um, I let my health go and everything. I just let it consume I mean, and me. It's not to say it's the way it is, but it's like it is the way it is when you're starting from nothing. You have nothing to build off of. Like you're starting from scratch. You didn't get yeah. a, like a loan from an uncle. That no, was I, didn't, like, I didn't have. Invest. I didn't have a rich uncle. I started with you know a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. But, but the but the point being is that there's a way to do that efficiently, right? You can work really really hard, um, and you can work really efficiently. And I think that that's where I think that's where the experience comes into play is as you grow and as you learn and get more experience, you learn to become well, the ones that grow and the ones that scale and the ones that become super successful learn about efficiency. You know, so if it takes you 80 hours a week to get to 100 grand, does that mean it's going to take you 120 hours a week to get to a million? No, you know, you don't you can only work so much. You become more efficient. You learn how to scale, and uh, and by and by doing that, you also do that in your family, and it's something that you know you've seen me work on over the years and become make our relationship more of a priority, making my relationship with my children more of a priority, and um, you know because at the end of the day, you know we've seen it before. You you take a guy that doesn't do that, right, and he just he just grinds, makes a multi million dollar business. But in 20 years of doing that, he's got a, you know, he's a millionaire and where's his family? His kids don't like him as, you know, they're just like, dude, you're, and now he's ready to retire and hang out with them. And it's like, bro, it's, that ship has sailed, man. It's done. You know, you got to work so hard to where your family's not even there when you're, when you're finished at the finish line. That's where you want them, right? You want to be able, you have to do it all. You have to prioritize and, and invest in the right areas because you got to look at, at the, when I get to the finish line. If there's a such thing, or I get to this stage, this chapter in my my life where I want to be, who's going to be there with you? Because well, if you want if you want your kids and your wife to be there with you and your family to be there with you, then then, then invest in them now. And the truth the truth is, like there's no there's no like perfect solution or everything doesn't go always the way that you think it would go and that you would planned and teenagers go through things and like people can say whatever they want to say, but like we all know teenagers like act like assholes regardless typically <laughs> like you kind of have I to did. like yeah exactly <laughs> so did I but you know my parents did everything right I felt like as far as that goes yeah. spending time with me quality time with me they really did yeah. they spent quality time with me and they invested in me and my brother like I had a dad that like was just a hustler like hustler worked his ass off 
came home covered in like black soot. He's still and doing it. He's still doing it. And yeah, he can he can physically outwork me, I believe. <laughs> sawdust and his belly button and like <laughs> ring around his I mean, just worked his ass off and then would come outside in the backyard and play with me for two hours because I begged him to See, I that's what I'm talking about. Didn't sit down. Yeah. Didn't and then and then then, like, we didn't have money for lessons and, like, all the cool stuff that the families right. did. So my dad would go and make deals with, like, the gymnastics studio down the street and say, hey, I'll fix your roof or I'll fix this if you let my daughter take gymnastics lessons here. And like, oh, at that's the why you're so limber. <laughs> I, Thanks, I, I did I didn't cry. <laughs> I didn't know at the time that... That was what happened, right? Like, I just yeah, remember my dad in the back of the room. Like, while, while you're doing tumbling, he's, tumbling, like, fixing the roof? He's out on a ladder <laughs> fixing something, and I was like, oh, my dad works here, you know? Like, I didn't realize that, like, he made arrangements all the time, like, that trade yeah. so that I could do things. And, like, that was what it was about. It wasn't about money. It was yeah. about effort, like yeah. you said. And so I noticed that, too, like, with Dimitri when it comes to, like, be, if you're talking specifically about the young son, he is... Nick wakes up and gets his coffee, and then when Dimitri wakes up, it's like go time. You go on a walk with him. Well, you take I mean, him outside. For, to be fair, he's go time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those are the things where, um, you know, a lot of dads are like, okay, I'm getting ready. Like, leave me alone. And it's like, no, you're getting ready for work with him. Well, you're yeah, and the, and the reason why is because I see, I see the long game with that, right? And it's like, yeah, he's not an annoyance. This is this. He's part of his development and our relationship is a, is one of my priorities. So it just fits into my, see, yeah. like people are talking about balance that right there, just that fits into my life. Now there yeah. are times that I'm like, okay, bud, I got to go. <laughs> but the majority of the time, like, you know, like, you know, our routine, because if you guys don't know that, you know, Ms. Capper leaves us several nights a week to go roll around with a bunch of guys. Oh my God. Stop. And then I, and I'm house dad. Um, I'm at the house, the house with the baby. So I do the whole night, the whole nightly routine. I, I do. That's and, just uh, two nights a week. Just to clarify. I mean, sometimes there's special occasions. It, it turns out to be like three nights. Cause like, <laughs> there's, anyways, I'm not splitting hairs here or whatever. Uh, we have a good routine, but little things like that, you know, we just do our little thing and it's not like, aren't you glad that I'm so like healthy and on top of like, my self-defense so that if anything ever happened to me or me and our child together, I would be able to defend myself. Hopefully. Um, I would, I would say that you have a good standing chance. <laughs> yeah, I would be very sorry for the MRF or that, that, that fucks with my two stripes. <laughs> no fuck with my two stripes, man. Oh man. Um, <laughs> anyways, but no, it's, it is a, it is part of it. It's like getting ready for the night, you know, our, our nightly routine, it's just all kind of interwoven. Yeah. And he digs it. I, I just, Honestly, I have to say again, just to really like put this out there. I have been with Nick for seven years. Seven plus years. I literally like best, best dad in the world. Oh, thanks. I mean, I mean it. That's, that's a, that's a strong, bold statement. I, mean, I and the thing is, is like, you can never, like I she said. She didn't know. Sometimes I try to tell her, I try to tell her before we had kids. I'm like, I'm a pretty good freaking dad. I knew you were a good dad, but I no, mean. No, you didn't know. I didn't know how you'd be with little ones. And that's the thing is like <laughs> so many dads are good with kids when they're seven. Yeah. You know, like you're yeah. good with him at six weeks. You're good with him at two years old. Like you're good with them. All. You're good with all the stages. Uh, first of all, let's just say that 
I'm a veteran father, so there's there's a little bit of a curve there for me with the younger yeah. baby thing because I've already done it twice. But but yeah, I I do, and I, I'll say this: I didn't do as well with 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 Ella as I did with Anna <laughs> and I did with Dimitri. I remember when Ella was born, man, I was like, I had no clue. She'd be crying in the middle of the night. I'd be like, is she dying? <laughs> I, I, have, I don't know. She can't communicate. I don't know what's going on. It was horrible. Yeah. No, not with Dimitri. He was up. No, he was all right. You were up with him. Yeah. So anyways, that being said. That's Prioritize our, your life, gents. And if, if your it. kid's being an asshole, you know, it all, this too shall pass. Okay. They probably are, and they will. I mean, my parents were awesome, and I was an asshole. No kidding. You don't say. I mean, the worst. I would never have guessed, babe. <laughs> okay. What is the most important tool for building wealth, in your opinion? Oof. Um, patience. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, it takes patience. I think that uh, where I... Now, there's a lot of tools, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to, like... I mean, I, this it's it's hard to put into to words, I guess, but it really comes down to patience because everything that you do, every building wealth, building um, a business, building anything of worth uh, of value, takes time. There is no such thing as an overnight success. That is a myth. And people are like, "Man, you just blew up." I'm like, "No, man, I've been at this for almost a decade. What do you mean?" Blew well, and up? then you learn so many principles from the military that you've implemented into business that have just like. Put us yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So, like, patience is one thing. Now, you can do a curve. That now, now, that's if you're going to put one tool, I'm going to say patience because at the end of the day, you just have to work really hard and and consistently move forward. Even though you're going to fail, you're going to fail over and over and over and over again. Um, you're just going to fail forward, and after each one of those failures comes a success, and then another one. And it's just about solving problems. But the reason why that building wealth is it's going to take time. Like there is no get rich quick screen schemes. Um, nothing of value, nothing of any value has ever happened overnight. So it's just going to take you time, um, and then being super smart. Now, now getting to some other tools, you can, you know, you can, you know, having a mentor, having a coach, um, that's going to cut corners for you, right? Because you're going to learn instead of taking a bunch of failures, which you're going to have anyway, but you're going to shorten the curve by getting a mentor and getting a coach who's already been there and built businesses and done things that built wealth and then invest in that, which is investing in yourself. And then you're going to cut the corners there as well. So can you talk a little bit about like, if you like where can they find a coach? What, what, who should they ask? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're talking about that oh, yet. Okay. Yeah. That um, is something that Nick is going to offer soon. Yeah, I just want to put that I, out there. But one thing I'll maybe. say that I know from an outsider coming yeah. in and working with you. Yeah. We didn't grow up in any of the same circles. We not didn't even grow up close. Not even close. No. My parents are pastors yeah. of a church. They love Jesus. And that is what I grew up in was mission circles where we went on missions trips all over the world. and All went on trips. <laughs> mission trips where I was no. like taking care of. AIDS clinics, kids. Nah, we and were just stuff. we were just moving or running from the law. I'm not 100 percent sure which what we were doing as a kid, but nonetheless. So very different lives, right? But coming for in and looking at from the outsider, the one thing that I think is a tool that you really used and mastered, and I thought was really awesome, um, is 
well, maybe two things. One is that you delegate and and bring people in and trust them to you don't know what you don't know so you trust people with what you don't know that's a great that's another great tool yeah. and i mean and that is that is something that people don't do that's actually part of the uh i forgot the name of the author but the 48 laws of power um, it's like you yeah. if you don't know how to do it you're gonna hire somebody that does so well that and that's we what great leaders do right you you bring in the right team like yeah. i don't have to know everything right and and that's what i think a lot of people like misstep is like well i don't if i don't know no, you don't you don't have to know all the solutions you just need to have the right team that does right or the right people on your team that does so that's been something that yeah. from the get-go that that i've learned about you that i thought was just awesome because there's so many people that are too insecure to do it too insecure to let let go of certain pieces of something and you've always been great at that and then the next part is well to, it goes but hold on it goes back to that thing at, you know as a leader of whatever situation you're in are you looking at it going okay am i doing everything i can to get this thing to grow and maybe i'm the bottleneck Maybe I'm the problem. And if I'm the one doing something or if I'm being insecure, well, that you're never going to grow. You have to admit that you don't know everything and then get the, get the you know, if, if I'm an ad buyer, right, or if, if I need to buy ads, if I need to buy space on a wall, right, you know, for clicks or for views or whatever it may be, is that my profession? So why... Why waste? Why my, am I wasting my why time? Why am I wasting my time in that? I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go find the best ad buyer in the business, and then hire him. Right. And then move. Somebody who understands how to create yeah. a click funnel and yeah, yeah. And then the second thing being that you don't micromanage. You give people tasks, and however they get it done is their deal. And you yeah. not you're not over their shoulder waiting for. I think I think both those things I get from former life, military life. Yeah, it is. Like the big, it was for me the biggest fresh breath of fresh air to work with you and have you say, I need this done. And then me do it and you not like ask me 45 times how it's being done, but just to give it back to you. Cause I'd been in so many business situations where it was like people were breathing down my neck over my shoulder, wanting me to do things their way. And I'm like, okay, well, like, do you want this done or do you just want me to do it your way? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, the, and some things have to be done a certain way, I guess, to some point, but. I think people have a different way of uh, working in their brain. I know I do. And I think that that's one thing that I struggle with, even in the military is like, Hey, I need to get this done. It's like, Hey, and you be, people will surprise you, especially if they're go-getters, right? If they're a go-getter, they'll get things done, but they're going to get things done their way. And you know what? It might even be better than your way. Yeah. So you have to give them the creative flexibility to solve problems. And like the in-state focus on the in-state. What is it that you want done? If it's a website built or if it's a sale, if it's whatever, whatever the, the final intent is, who does it, do you really care what route they get there as long as it's efficient? Do you, do you care, you know, right? what the route was as long as they get your in-state? Like you decide, hey, I want you to do this thing for desired in-state. Like and focus on the right. in-state. Don't yeah. worry about holding people's hands. If you have to yeah. have, if you have somebody that wants you to hold their hand the whole time, it probably that's isn't. A drag. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a not, drag. That's <laughs> you don't want that on your team. Yeah. Okay. Is Splenda a healthy tool to use while trying to lose weight and reverse prediabetes? Oh, I know what this came from. This came from Fat to uh, Fit Gabby. So this came from probably my comment on Dr. Nadolsky's uh diet soda thing. I was like, that shit's gonna give you cancer as a joke. And then like 
bunch of people started responding. Is it give me cancer? And well, they were just arguing, saying that it does or it doesn't, and they were like, and then somebody was like, I think he's being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Yes, absolutely. I think that if you're trying to go low sugar, which people should go low sugar, unless you're me and trying to consume 400 grams of carbs a day. Um, so I, yeah. So I have to do some like liquid Gatorade. <sighs> Doing, eating that much, and this goes opposite of what we're talking about, but going eating that much with real healthy food, that's a lot of volume. Can we tell everybody, because I know you've been talking about it a lot and people are like, why is Nick getting so big? And like everybody at the jujitsu gym is like what is going on why is nick getting why is he so heavy underneath <laughs> <laughs> tell everybody what you're doing uh i've been bulking for a couple, turning, turning couple 40 months. yeah well yeah so basically my the the goal is for when i turn 40 in february i want to look the best that i've ever looked in my life hell yeah why not right at right. 40 years old and really just to be like to to show people that it's not rocket science. Yeah. It can it, be done. It can be done. And you, and being being old, being old, 40, a 40-year-old 40 male is not the, you know, you're not like done and you can have this like, you don't have to look like shit and feel <laughs> like shit. So I want to look at 40 years old. I want to look like a beast. So basically I've been, you know, in preparation for cutting. And last summer I got really small because of jujitsu. I mean, I went from like 240. So I was pregnant and I was eating all your food. Yeah. To, no, that was <laughs> definitely blah, not blah, it. Blah. I was 240 and then COVID happened. I got down to, I, I dipped my toe down into 189. And I mean, I was lean, man. Yeah. I was lean, but I was moving yeah. fast and doing jiu-jitsu six days a week. And I don't, um, I'm not into that. I felt great. 189 pound neck. It's not my. No. Thing. So now I'm, so, so in, because I got that small, or I got that, you know, thin and lean. Um, I, I wanted to put on more mass on my frame before another cut. So if I'm going to cut down for my birthday, um, you know, I got with our coach and I said, Hey, this is, this is what my goal is. So she put me on a stupid amount of calories. And but, okay. So he's eating this insane amount of calories, which means I'm cooking a lot of food just in case anybody. I make some of my own food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. sandwiches yeah but i make a lot of a lot more food for him he's having like huge servings of rice huge servings of oatmeal all yeah. these things to help him to bulk so that he can later cut yeah. but tell what your last scan said oh it's going good man i'm up quite a bit of muscle and body 12 pounds of muscle yeah. up body fats down body fats down two percent up yeah. 12 pounds of muscle yeah. down two percent body fat yeah feeling good I mean, I that's still, amazing. I still sound like a horse when we go on our family walks, though. I'm like, <sighs> no, not that bad. But I think it's freaking awesome. Anyway, so Splenda. So, yeah, artificial sweeteners. Like, listen, I don't get, I'm not getting wrapped around the axle about this stuff. You know, people say a lot of different things. At the end of the day, you know what will kill you? Fucking diabetes. So keep crushing your nat your real sugars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, what, 40, 57 grams per can. So, yes, if, if, if Splenda... Or some sort of artificial sweetener is going to help you, you know, reduce those calories, put you in a deficit, and then you not die from heart disease, obesity, or diabetes. Then I think you won, man. So, you know, all the people out there talking shit about artificial sweeteners, maybe they should check their cholesterol and their uh, their BMI and see where they're at from there. Fact. Yeah, sugar so, sugar's a devil, man. It's ten times more addictive than cocaine. If cocaine was as addictive as sugar is, we'd, we'd all be hooked on cocaine. Well, I wouldn't. 
But. So I'm not addicted to sugar. So, But that being said, one thing you asked or one of the questions was, do you have any new books coming out? Oh, we're switching? That was it? That was it. No, I don't have any new books coming out. I, I do. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Oh. I do. You don't have one coming out either. Yes, You're working on one. It's coming out. At some point. Well, no, the fitness book. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was talking about our other I, two I, books. We, we are both in the process of compiling our second book. Yeah. Um, autobiographical, self-help sort of nonfiction, just stories. That was, a, that was a lot of titles. I don't know how the categories go, but you get it. <laughs> Um, but that's going to be probably a little bit more time because I'm doing a little bit of research for that one. But this, what's coming up, that, well, you've got a couple programs coming out as well for, um, as well yeah, as the nutrition guide. Yeah, but I think you're talking about books, books. Maybe, maybe not. So we'll just tell them about our books. Okay. So you got your nutrition guide coming out. Yeah, No Excuses Nutrition Guide. Which is huge because a lot of people, like like you were saying, like the biggest thing, like people think you can't because you're 40 years old, you can't look like the best shape of your life. You're going to start. All bullshit. Right. Yeah. You got to get the dad bod. No, like it's diet. Yeah. It's diet. <laughs> so it's, let's be real. Yeah. It's not even training. It's diet. It's diet. Yeah. So, um, you know, across the board, I think if you live in different parts of the country, right? Like different parts of the country kind of handle, have different lifestyles, kind of like what Dr. Nadolsky was talking about. And so if you live in like a warmer climate, you're probably a lot more active in the winter than if you live in a cold yeah, climate. I know I am. Right. I struggled with my weight for years because of diet. Let's be real. It was diet. But also a lot of it had to do with the fact that I lived in a very cold climate where you really couldn't do much outdoors in the winter. Not anything like, I mean, you could go outside. But it was like, we're talking, you know. Why would you want to in Kansas City? It's so cold. And it's I mean, I went there in, in May, and I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. This it's hot horrible. in the summer, man, but it is so cold in the winter. And I can't it snows, wait till we move to Florida. It's going to be awesome. ice. So it helped me so much to move to a warmer climate and be able to, like, be outside longer. Yeah, you've been pretty stoked since you've been here. Oh, so good, right? Yeah. But across the board, like, there's just different, there's different circumstances for people's lives and why they struggle with with weight gain, weight loss over throughout their lives, whether mm. it's stress or whatever. And so getting a guide for nutrition can set you on a success Really plan. simple, like, like the reason why it's called No Excuses because literally anybody can follow this guide. Simple. Yeah. You break down your macronutrients and then understand how I to stick with it. We'll even break it down stupider than that so they don't even have to know. They just... Eat these foods. Don't I mean, eat these it's foods. just one of those things that, like, if don't you overeat. don't understand, yeah, like, why you're not losing weight and you've never looked into nutrition, this will be perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. So that being said, the book that I'm working on um, and the plan that I'm working on is the postpartum, mm -hmm. but it's actually fit, it's prenatal and postpartum. Which but you crushed. Well, diet. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what it really happened was I tried. I didn't even post a lot of it during because mm -hmm. I didn't want to like, I wanted to have the success of getting the weight off within the first year and being able to say, this is how I did it. I didn't want to just talk about it and then not be able to pull it off. So I was yeah. like, I want to see myself how easy this is, how yeah. hard it is, what things are challenging. So I worked on um, a program with you. Mm -hmm. You helped me write like majority of it uh, for myself during 
even though you fought me on a little some things some things but ultimately like it was impressive to me that i wasn't like e every pregnant woman complains about back pain you yeah know? didn't have that well the thing is is i think that there's this preconception and, and even not you not you this version of you but earlier on you had this idea and most women do that you have to like run a thousand miles and like work out super hard and do all these very crazy things that some people just don't have the stomach for and to like i'm not going to be able to do it because i can't do all these things like i'm not an athlete so yeah. i can't yeah and that's just not the truth you know right it, it, it doesn't have to be that difficult especially for women it's it has a lot more to do with consistency and diet mm -hmm. yeah so putting together this book it's going to be a pregnancy training fitness book to kind of guide people through their 40 weeks of each trimester and yeah. a training program it's gonna be so it'll be more than some of our other programs which are 16 weeks long yeah it'll be longer but it'll help with all the stages. well it's all the, yeah, all the stages of recovery yep yeah so that'll be coming out for black friday as well as that nutrition guide that nick's got working which will be Josh. free if you get the whole enchilada oh snap yeah more questions yeah you ready Number one question is how or what do you all do to stay connected with each other? So read that one more time. How mm -hmm. or what do you two do to stay connected to each other? I think that's a that's a good question. Um, we do, I wouldn't say do a lot, but we do pretty consistently have date nights that are planned. Um, it helps that we actually work together. So we're constantly like we're in each other's lives, not just. We may not be in the same building even, but we know what's going on within the businesses and we know all the same. We, we have all the same characters in the screenplay. Yeah, we are synced up. Like so basically every night we talk about like what's happening the next day and every morning we talk about what's happening that day. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to effort. Walks. I'll say this. We talk about this a lot. What we talk Something about? that's like crazy to me but and you know maybe you're in one of these relationships and if so i'm sorry but we talk a lot about kind of how so many people are in relationships with their significant other and they don't like any of the same things yeah let's see that's a long-term fail like don't like the same movies yeah. don't like to do the same things have none of the same like interests yeah long-term fail that's super hard. Like yeah. to stay connected to somebody who doesn't like anything you like is so hard. That's yeah. why I think so many young marriages fail. It's because you get like set up with somebody when you're 19 years old and you turn into somebody else by the time you're 30. Of course. So how are you supposed, if you don't grow together in the same direction, how do you stay connected? That's super, super tough. I would say you well, have to have one. Look at our pre previous marriages. Yes. I mean, that's why they didn't work. That's, that's the exact reason why they didn't work and why you and I work. Right. Well, there's other factors. <laughs> but yes, there's a lot of other factors for me. But No, I'm talking about the why you and I work. Yes, I for sure. I thought you were going different No, I was saying there. that there was a lot of other factors of why the other I thought we were going to have to pause this podcast for oh. a second. <laughs> no, it made me swear up. My, my two stripes. I don't want to. I'm not, I don't want no PCU. Um, I think that's probably like something that is got to be a decision and a talk a conversation you have with yeah, the person that's, that's not necessarily the nest how you stay connected that's 
preemptive. That's preemptive. Like you guys, people need to realize that they're, you got to pick the right partner. It's not about just how the person looks or how they make you feel. Um, or, you know, how the sex is. Let's be honest. Like yeah. when you're young, like, you know, you meet with somebody and you're like, well, this sex is great. That it's means we're so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> but that's, you know, not that and I'm saying that sex fades because it doesn't have to. But my point being is there needs to be a basis, a base for our, your relationship, a foundation that you guys have. Co- like you not only are lovers and people, but you're also friends. Um, and when you have that, that's when those relationships go a long time because you, you generally are like the same interests and you have the same values. Yeah, I've always thought it was nuts when like somebody who's super like their number one priority is health and fitness and then their spouse doesn't care about working out at all and yeah, it creates shit. it creates fix, friction points right so like, any every single time that you had you differ on a, on a on a value then you're going to create a fiction a friction point and that's and that essentially that's driving a wedge between that in that relationship and the more of those you have the the wider the wedge gets yeah and let's like a lot of things buy which makes you know it, it's hard so i would say First, make sure you guys have the same things that you like the deal breakers things out of the way. If your Mm -hmm. faith is the same, you're into fitness, whether or not alcohol isn't, you know, an okay thing for you, because that's a big one. I mean, that was a big one for us. And I feel like you, well, because I feel like you coming out of, you know, the military and Mm -hmm. transitioning was like you were drinking a lot. Yeah, I was coming out of a. Um, really hard relationship, really yeah. hard marriage, and drinking a lot. Yeah. And so when we linked up, we were kind of like in this odd, adult, wild time. Adult adolescence. Oh, adult adolescence is what they call it. We were in this wild time. We weren't really thinking about others. We were kind of just thinking about ourselves, living for the moment, living for pleasure, and not having purpose. Yeah. And drinking, right? Well, then you're like, I don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. And I was like. Too bad. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind like, of. It, it caused some problems. It caused some problems yeah. because it was just like, it was something that I kept doing and you stopped doing. And when you're drinking by yourself, when your partner doesn't want to drink, it's not any fun. Well, we, and we've all been that. We've all been that person where like you're, <laughs> you're, the, the, sober you're the sober one and you're around someone that's like tipsy or drunk and you're like, it's not as cool as you think you sound like an idiot it's like oh god i want to go to bed yeah and so for a period of time like we had to kind of you know sort that out i had to like to say okay why 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 am i drinking right why is this something that's important to me i was just talking to a sark about that like what the purpose behind that is right like what what value are you getting if if you my partner whom i love and adore is telling me i don't want to drink and i don't like you drinking like I don't, or I don't like you when you drink. <laughs> when you drink, <laughs> like, and now, granted, I wasn't like shit faced all the time no, or anything, but no, like no, no. we'd go out and I'd have a drink, and then maybe I'd have two, and you'd say, "Okay, if you have any more than two, like you're an I'm asshole." Out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out. out. Yeah. So it's like, if if you're telling me that, and I'm like, she has three drinks, she's taking her earrings <laughs> off, and I'm just ready to fight people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, and and then on top of that, it's like you're you're telling me that and you're uh, and so you're like you're being an asshole after two drinks or whatever so then why would i continue 
Like, right. You have to ask yourself that question. What is happening in in my mind that makes me feel like I need to continue? You know what I mean? So I had to get to that place on my own. Yeah. Right. And then getting to that place on my own and saying, you know what? This is such not a healthy choice for me. Like it's keeping extra fat on my body. I look like shit because I won't stop. Like just things like that to where like I, I align my value with you that, Mm -hmm. okay, you're more important to me than having three drinks at a party or whatever. Yeah. So I think you, you make those, those core choices, the things that really matter. Like goes, get, goes back to that party. It's like I was talking get about. Get that part down, right? Yeah. And then as you connect, you'll find ways to connect with each other in healthier ways. Healthier ways. Yeah. And so instead of, I think, even asking yourself like, well, why can't me and my husband connect anymore? It's like, why don't you change the way you're wording that question and say, what can we do to connect oh, more? a little burst technique. A little I burst. Like that. But it's really, it's really true. And then that kind of became, okay, you're like, I want to start doing jujitsu. Okay. I've always been interested in doing some sort of grappling since yeah. I was young. But it's like when you made that decision, it's like, okay, this, my partner is going to be doing something and be away from home more like doing this activity. So then my choice is, okay, do I say, well, I don't really w- want to do that mm-hmm. and spend more time alone and you go kind of build new relationships and new friendships and do something that you really enjoy or do I become, try it? Become a part of it. At least try it. Yeah. So that we can connect in that way. Yeah. And honestly, I think like. And now she's gone doing <laughs> it with my friends and I'm at the home <laughs> with the baby. Don't fall for it, guys. Don't fall for it. It's a trick. It's another trap. <laughs> no, but. I'm I, just kidding. I'm just kidding. For me, for it was a conscious decision. Yeah, I get it. To spend time with you and to make sure that, that our interests still aligned. Yeah. And I love it. Too like love it. Finally, felt like I met a bunch of girls who are like my people. Like yeah. I can connect with them because yeah. we all like to smash each other and like rephrase. We all like to smash each other. Jesus, babe. <laughs> but it's true. We like to to meet girls who like to like grab <laughs> each other by the neck and throw them on the floor and like choke them. Yeah, there's not a lot of girls that like that. Yeah. You know, simulated so, simulated murder. Right, a little bit better than smashing each other. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Things like that. Do you have any examples of like connection points that you feel like you've kind of tried to establish? Tried to? No, I just definitely just go the path and you are on it. <laughs> you just happen to be there with me. False. I don't know. I, I don't think that's anything that I've really put forth effort into. I think that we just are naturally a lot of... No, no, no. It all happens no, 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 no. I've obviously I've put up for effort. I meant as far as our likes or dislikes. There's nothing that you like to do that I'm like. That's not true. That I've put forth effort? Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, so I'll say this. If you say go getting plants, I have not put forth effort no. in helping you get plants. No, and it's very sad. <laughs> and I'm aware of that. <laughs> I'm aware that I've fell short in that, that No, that but area. like before COVID you know, happened, like there's certain things I really like to. I love to go see music live. Yeah. And that's never been something you're interested in going no. being around a group of people I outdoors or indoors. I hate parties or concerts. But you know I love like it. Yeah. You've made an effort to, yeah, to take to me to concerts yeah. and to... We just go to the VIP boxes. Where <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent this whole box out. There's no smoking <laughs> and no strangers and no loud noises. It's but fun, right? <laughs> yes. 
But no, I would say you, your effort in connecting with yeah. maybe me more is doing things outside of the house and being like involved. Like that's where I know you're making effort is when you cross over into like, let's go out to do this thing. And I yeah. know, you know, so it's effort again. Brunch. We're going to go do brunch. <laughs> we haven't done brunch in a while, babe. We should do that. I bet you brought it up. <laughs> All right. What else? What is the one experience you are most grateful for having endured, survived, or triumphed, triumphed over? You go. Oh, I have so many of those experiences. Really? Oh, my God. It's like my whole life has been nothing but perseverance through adversity. All the time. Physically or emotionally? Like a physical challenge or? A- I, I think physical is kind of weak. I mean, what's, mm-hmm. what's, a, what's an emotional one? I already know yours. What? Uh, your stepkids. Coming overcoming that or yeah. that whole situation. Yeah. Let's not talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I mean yes and no. I think, quite honestly, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. I don't want to make people feel there's something wrong with them. Um, I would say, quite honestly, one of the most, the biggest things I kind of have ever dealt with is like a fear of being fat. <laughs> and it's like a horrible fear, right? Like getting through challenges and stuff like that. Like And, and pregnant doesn't equal fat. Okay, but to me, it felt like it. I know, but I just want to let you know it doesn't equal. I know, but for me, it did. It it was a really big deal for me to, like, get through pregnancy, not because of the tax on my body or because of, like. Just because you're bigger. Just because of how hard it is for me to see myself in the mirror and be heavy. I had an eating disorder growing up, and I was always struggled with it. It's something that I, like. You know, in my younger years, like I didn't even have periods because I wasn't eating and yeah. I, you know, anorexia and bulimia and stuff like that was like a very, a very big challenge, right? When you're growing up and you're a little white girl, it's mm-hmm. just like, that's the first world kind of problems, right? And not dealing with uh, starvation you're, and You're hunger. not cute enough. Right. I'm not pretty enough. No, but it was, it was like a thing I, I dealt with. And so my whole adult life getting past that point in my teen years and getting healthy again. And then as an adult dealing with weight fluctuations and weight changes, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's a lot. You have to like get on a scale and deal with that number. And then, you know, for some people it doesn't matter, but if you're somebody who dealt with that as like your young years where you're like punishing yourself for eating. Yeah. Then you understand, like, as an adult, how it's hard not to, like, go, oh, my God. So doing the whole pregnancy thing and mm-hmm. and being so excited to have a baby and, like, being so ecstatic about it, like, something I wanted so bad, but also dealing with, like, you know, being heavier and and your body changing and all those things. It sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but, like, I'm sure for other people and for women, sometimes this is a thing. It definitely is a thing. Right. So, like, I had to, I didn't I didn't want that on my mind, 
yeah. like constantly. You didn't want it to like taint the uh, experience. experience of, yeah. So I really tried not to count macros, mm-hmm. but I just tried to like really focus on my fitness throughout and just stay after it. Yeah. And so my number one goal was I'm going to stay active. I'm going to be really freaking healthy. I'm not going to eat out. I'm going to focus on taking well, care COVID of my hit, health. so that helped. Right. <laughs> Drinking water, taking care of myself and doing all this stuff, having a healthy pregnancy and just like thanking my body every day for right. that. It's a pretty big life challenge for me getting through. So going into it the second time, how do you, how do you feel like you're going to? Is it a a different feeling now? Yeah, I think just because I was absolutely so proud of myself for staying as active as I did. What I I mean is the stress of like getting pregnant and being bigger again. Do you feel different about it? Because that's exactly why. Like I I was so freaked out about like I'd seen so many of my friends just get huge. Yeah. And like completely let themselves donuts, candy bars, (laughs) just get huge and just let it go. Yeah. And I thought maybe something would happen. Like I would get pregnant and then my mind would like go like, oh no, I can't do it. Like I just thought something would come over me and I would just be like lazy. So I like really thought like in my mind, this in my imagination that like I couldn't handle it. Right. That is not what happened. No, so I was like, I'm going to stay after it. And I was like, just the experience of being pregnant and going through the whole thing and staying active until the day I gave birth, mm-hmm. getting out and walking every single day, getting out and training every other day. Like that experience made me so proud of myself because I just, and then, and then coming off of it and getting in better shape than before I was pregnant. Yeah. It made me realize that I didn't need to be afraid. Right. And, and it, I didn't have to be like worried that some alien was going to take over my brain and I just wouldn't have control <laughs> of my hormones or my mind. Get me candy bars now. <laughs> I have to have it. No, I honestly. You did have to have, uh, what was it? that chicken, chicken salad. Chicken salad. Which like gross. Like I don't even fucking eat chicken salad ever. Like mayonnaise and like and chicken and grapes. what's crazy now is he will, that kid will destroy shredded chicken. Oh my God. Yeah. He yeah. had like he had a whole chicken breast last night. That's all I wanted. Yeah. But that for me was a pretty big experience in the sake and the fact that like I did IVF. Yeah. I did the whole fertility journey. I did it all. Got in shape. Stayed in shape. Got back in shape. And it wasn't a. I did it. Yeah. It was a it's, big deal. I didn't have to be scared of it. Yeah. It's just work. Yep. Just time and effort. Okay. What about you? Oh man, there's so many, man. It's like in every chapter of my life, there's a there's a point of which coming over. I'd say getting out of the military and having the the whole identity shift from being a recon marine and a raider into who I am as a person now is probably one of the one of the bigger ones. That and I mean, can you say you feel proud of yourself? Oh, absolutely. But not only that, I like myself. Yeah. You know, I like who I am as a person and I like what I do. And like, like before we got on the podcast, I was talking to a Sark about a lot of this stuff and basically like talking about how life after the military, like there's people don't really, it's like, that's the best thing in the world. You know what I mean? Is the military. And it really isn't. It's a job that you do for a little while, but at the end of it comes, the end comes for us all. And, and uh, it, it's what comes after is what's really exciting. And, I wish I would have been a little bit more excited about it. I mean, I was excited about getting out because of freedom, but not. you don't really appreciate 
your opportunities and everything you get to do and and that's when like we have a rad life Mm -hmm. you know and my rad life has nothing to do with me being a raider or or you know force recon marine or anything i did in the military um because it's you know it's not necessarily it's what i did it's not who i am anymore and uh and i think that's one of the biggest things awesome and also i think probably for both of us coming out of divorces and bad relationships and being able to overcome it all and yeah not really be bitter about not being bitter and yeah. being able to like be on the it, other side because you're only gonna when that happens you're only hurting yourself really right and and then being here now yeah. and knowing how far we've come and that we worked through so much and that like in my younger years if this would have happened a lot of the things that we've been through would have happened i would have bailed like i yeah. did the first time you know yeah and we stuck it out and we worked through it. Freaking awesome too. So uh there you go. There, there you go. It's all effort, guys and gals. It's effort. So hey, I appreciate you guys listening. Um any last words? Um go buy Johnny Slicks. Don't be a miserable cow. <laughs> yeah, go buy uh go buy Miss Capper's book on Amazon. How not to be How a miserable not to cow. Be a miserable cow. That's a it's a great book. You'll hear a lot more of the, some of the things that she alluded to on the podcast. Fact. Yeah, it's a good book. Babe. Yeah. And uh, go buy Johnny Slicks all organic grooming products. Every time we roll, somebody's like, "You smell amazing." amazing. I'm like, "Yeah, but that's that's our shit." Yeah, so it is. It's all organic grooming products. So dump all the toxic garbage that you're putting in your body. And uh, go get some beast wash and some pomade and some beard oil and whatever um, whatever um, you need. Shave soap, scrub, spray. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got you covered. Um, Pumpkin slicks. Yeah, and you can use you can use code Raider. Save yourself some money. And uh, I think that's it, guys. Never last quit. Words? Never surrender. Always forward. Yeah, and uh, screenshot this episode if you like this. Uh, tag us both. We'll share it out. We thank you guys so much. Go drop us a review. And uh, that's it. See you guys in the next episode.